0: Episode 83 of the Pilot the Pilot Podcast takes off now.
1: Hi, my name is Kim Kish, and I am a corporate aviation professional.
0: What is going on, Aviation Nation? And welcome back to the Pilot the Pilot Podcast. My name is Justin Seams, and I am your host. Today, I am talking with corporate pilot and Embry-Riddle graduate, Kim Kish. If you want to know what it takes to get the corporate pilot job of your dreams and how to build your hours in the corporate world, then this is a great episode for you. Kim goes into great detail about the application process and how she even had to say she was willing to work some office jobs so she can eventually build her time and get a sweet job flying a TBM. So this is a good episode. I'm excited to share this episode with you all and also excited to talk with Kim and her story. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can check out our website, Pilot the Pilot HQ. Com. that's where you can find all of our links and you can find links to patreon as well and if you enjoy the podcast share it with your friend let your friends know let your friends know about the avian nation let them know about pilot the pilot and what we are doing here avian nation i don't want to keep you any longer without any further ado here's kim kish kim what is going on welcome to the pilot the pilot podcast
1: Justin, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Yeah, no problem. Excited to have you on. I was um, shown your page by Kylie, and she said that I have to get you on or she'll stop listening to the podcast. So here we are.
1: <laughs> she is my pen pal. She is my motivator. Gosh, I love Kylie. She's awesome. Yeah,
0: Kylie's cool. She had a great episode. I was happy to have her on, and uh, she's helped me out by getting a lot of people on. So here we go. we uh have you on now, and I'm excited to talk with you. Awesome. Let's do it. Perfect. So the first question I ask everyone is, what was the original inspiration for you wanting to start a career in aviation or just your original inspiration? Or how did you even find out about aviation?
1: The way I got into aviation, it, it seems like it should have been natural, but it's actually so unorthodox. Um, I always tell people, my dad's a pilot. And so right then there, people are like, oh, okay, that's how that's how you got into it. But um, it was completely different because when I was little, I was maybe like six or eight years old. Um, we, my family had a share in a Cherokee six. And so we would go on these joint family vacations to Cape Cod and I'm in New York. So it's definitely drivable, but definitely easier in a small airplane. And so, um, like I said, I was six to eight years old. So I would usually be in the back with my mom and my brother who's two years older naturally would just be in the front with my dad. And so, being at such a young age, I didn't understand it. So I would be like, oh, this thing is so loud. You know, are we there yet? Why is everything vibrating? And the other thing was we would like, there would be three or four other families and they would all drive. So I'm like, why are we getting here so early? Why are, are we not driving like everyone else? Like I really thought we were the weird family. And so looking back, I'm like, gosh, what a privilege. But you know, you would think then and there it would be like, Oh, that's how she got into it. But nope. Didn't like it. And I wanted nothing to do with it. And then when I was about 15, um, I was watching TV with my dad and he does not watch sports. He's more of like a history channel, discovery channel kind of guy. And so we were watching something about World War II and, you know, aviation was crucial to that war. So, of course, they're highlighting all of the airplanes and the pilots. And I remember looking over and being like, wow, this is really cool. And he was flight instructor on a Cirrus at the time. And he was like, Kim, you know, I can teach you how to fly naturally I was like, "Ew, no, that's so weird. You're my dad. (laughs) No way. So again, they were like, Oh, that's when the spark would have been, but nope. Stubborn me did not want anything to do with it again. So I remember this part, like it was yesterday though. He turned, he, he, he looks over at me and he's like, you know, it's fine because by the time you would ever become a pilot, I will be anointed Pope. (laughs) so he just completely poked the competitive side at me and I was like you know it old man do it teach me how to fly
0: (laughs) that's hilarious let's go right now
1: (laughs) yes so I think it was like next week we went up and I just remember feeling nothing but anger and I looked over and I'm like "Uh, dad are you kidding me he's like I thought you were enjoying this I'm like I am I'm just so mad that you get paid to do this every single day like, I felt like he was keeping it from me. But of course, you know, every single sign was there before me to get into aviation. But that was really the moment.
0: That's awesome. It's uh, it, it's something that you can't really force on people to start a career in aviation. So your dad was probably like, hey, if you want to do this, you got to figure it out on your own. Like, I'll, I'll keep hitting and I'll keep poking you and trying to get you doing it. But you got to kind of come into that on your own.
1: Exactly. And I think because I'm so competitive by nature, he knew exactly what he was doing. He was like, I just got to wait for the right moment. <laughs>
0: Was your dad your instructor for every rating?
1: Um, No, he wasn't. So I slowly started flight instructing with him, um, like I said, when I was like 15 and 16. But I kind of got the short end of the stick because it was whenever whenever he didn't have students. So I didn't even get to solo with him. But I actually went to a summer camp at Embry-Riddle. And that's when they kind of told me, you know, Hey, if you don't solo and you don't get your license, it'll actually be an easier transition. So I just kind of flew for fun with him.
0: Okay. That's cool. I was about to ask, I was going to say, what was the dynamic of having an instructor that's also your dad?
1: Oh gosh. I mean, very interesting. (laughs)
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) There would be times where I'd be like, dad, I want to go home. I have a headache. You know, I'm not really feeling good. And he'd be like, I'm not dad. I'm your flight instructor. So that would be frustrating. But, you know, the moments where he was proud of me, it was like he was super proud of me because it wasn't just a stranger, you know, that turned into a friend. You know, this was someone that truly cared about what I was doing and my accomplishments.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I bet that was a really cool moment for him. Absolutely. So how many hours? So you never soloed with him and you went to the Embry-Riddle camp. How old were you when you went to the Embry-Riddle camp?
1: I believe I was 17. It was the summer before my senior year in high school and it was like a one week long um career exploration camp uh summer camp through amber middle
0: how did you find out about that because i've heard someone else talk about i think no not no, i always say notre dame north dakota i think north dakota has that as well and i just didn't know if that was something your dad pushed on not pushed on to you but like showed that they had or was it something you just did some research online
1: it was something that, you know, when I came home and said, mom, I want to be a pilot. She was like, oh God, like, please do your research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She was like, it's so expensive. Are you sure you want to do this? And so I had to then prove to them why I wanted to be a pilot. And so I researched everything under the sun and that's when I found Ember Riddle and, you know, being 15 at the time, I was like, all right, I have a couple years until college. So what can I do um, that aren't, or excuse me, that isn't flight lessons um, in the meantime. And so that's when I went on and I I remember going through every single page on the website. And then I found that they had all of these different programs. They have like engineering programs and um, different flight programs as well. You can do your private with them. I think when you're 17, it's like a whole nother um, sort of camp type program. But I chose this one because it was a week long and it was everything aviation
0: So it kind of just threw you into the aviation world and you could kind of figure out what you liked and what you wanted to do.
1: Exactly. So it was, it was a little bit of everything. I remember there was one time where we did flight planning things and another time we went um, into the hypoxia lab and didn't actually get hypoxic, but um, they taught us all about it. (laughs) Eventually I went in the hypoxia lab. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. I never knew. I was kind of a similar story to you where I didn't. My dad's a pilot. My grandpa's a pilot. I never really even entertained the idea of being a pilot until I got to college. And I was like, crap, what do I need to do? Like, I need to find a way to to do something I want to do. And then I was able to find it. And I did find it av- aviation and loved it. But I almost wonder if I would have gone to those camps, if I would have known about it being an opportunity when I was younger. So I did. I, it was just really cool to hear everyone's story and how kind of everything has worked out differently for every single person. So that's what's It's great that they have those opportunities.
1: Exactly, yeah. And being so young, I think it's great to see also the college experience as well because we'd go into classrooms and have like these half an hour to 45 minute classes. And that's when I realized, you know, picking college is a lot easier than I thought, especially when you're sitting down thinking about what you're actually going to do. I remember going home and being like, oh, there's no way I'm going to go to any other school. Like, this is the school I want to go to.
0: (laughs) Until you see the price and you're like, oh my gosh.
1: (laughs) I know. You're like, oh shoot. Do I really want (laughs) to do this? Never mind. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) never (laughs) mind.
0: What um, what was I going to say? What uh, what were your friends like when you were like, hey, I'm going to be a pilot, guys? or were they like, you're crazy? Or were they like, oh, it's so cool?
1: Um, I would say about 50-50 because Some of them, you know, I think there was a little bit of doubt, but they also wanted to be happy for me. Um, But I think I was the only person in my high school that liked aviation. So I know everyone jokes about the horse girl in high school. Like there's always that one girl that's obsessed with horses. Like I was the airplane girl. Like I was the girl that was like, oh, shoot, sorry. I can't go to soccer practice tonight. I have a flight lesson or like, oh, sorry. Like I have to study for this. I'm not going to go. But there were definitely some people that doubted me. and so that definitely was more of motivation too. Cause I was like, all right, you know, I got some haters, but you guys are motivating me.
0: Why would you say they're doubting you? Was it just, was it like guys doubting you because you're a girl trying to get in aviation or is it just people just didn't think that it was possible or.
1: I think again, a little bit of both. Um, you know, I'm kind of a quirky bubbly person. And so when you think of aviation, again, you think of like the, the guy with the comb over and the mustache and the leather <laughs> jacket a clip and on here a, I come, yeah. exactly the phone the phone on the yeah, clip yeah phone, phone on a the clip phone. yeah yeah and then here i come skipping along and i'm like i love airplanes and they're like are you sure and i think i also had a little bit of a reputation for saying not not being flaky but like saying i really like something and then a month later being like oh yeah i don't actually really like that
0: <laughs> i did but i don't
1: Exactly. My brother would always joke about that because I would always be like, I'm going to play the guitar. And then a month later, be like, this is really hard and I don't want to do it.
0: That's so funny because now you find aviation, which is also really hard, but it seems like you stuck with it, obviously.
1: Exactly. And I there's, you know, there's always something about aviation where you're like, I can't live without it.
0: Yeah. No, I totally agree. So you go to the summer camp and you are sold on Embry-Riddle. That's the only school that you can kind of entertain and the only school that you can think about going to. What was kind of, so between that summer camp, which was right before your senior year until you went to, I don't, did you go to Embry-Riddle?
1: I did. Okay. Yeah, they did Tony Beach campus.
0: And until you went to Embry-Riddle, what did, what did you do in the meantime to get ready to go to Embry-Riddle?
1: Yeah, so um, my high school had a really cool um, internship program. It was called WISE. It was an acronym. And truthfully speaking, I have no idea what the letters stand for. (laughs) Um, But it was the whole length of your senior year. So it was perfect timing right after I came back from the summer camp. I applied um, to this program, got in. And the first semester you take, I called them like kind of how to adult classes. So it was how to write a resume, a cover letter, how to interview, um, and even some financial stuff as well. So Um, And in the meantime, you would go out and apply for places. And this program was around for a while, so they kind of had it down for students who Wanted to do similar things. So if you wanted to become a doctor, they would. They already had internships set up with hospitals, or if you wanted to be an engineer, there was different engineering firms in the area that you could easily, you know, interview with and go on. So again, here I come along, skipping, skipping along, and I'm like, I like airplanes. I want to go to an airport. And they're like, All right, good luck. We can't help you. What? So yeah, no one knew even where to start. So that's where my dad really came in handy because he was like, All right, there's a couple flight schools. There's a couple businesses. So. I remember interviewing with um, a couple of flight schools, and really, the interview was fine, but it it didn't feel like the right fit. Um, And so I struck out a couple times, and finally, my dad was like, Well, why don't you try an FBO? And I never really knew exactly what the FBO's purpose was. I just knew I got free cookies and soda every time we went out to the airplane. So that's what I did. I walked over to Millionaire and we set up an interview. I interviewed, and she was like, let's do it. You know, we've never had an intern, but we'll figure it out with you. So when I was 16, um, I had a, I think it was like four or five month long internship with Millionaire.
0: What did you end up doing? What did they end up finding you to do?
1: Oh my gosh. So my manager's name was Janet and she was fantastic because she was like, there's no way you're just going to stand here and be a customer service representative. She's like, that's technically what we're going to hire you to do as an intern, but I want you to see everything and anything aviation has to offer so she sent me up with a tour of the tower which was amazing because you know just learning how to fly and being able to talk to tower and be like when I mess up you know what's the best thing to do and getting that first-hand perspective was perfect and I'm glad I did it when I was so young and also new to aviation um then she also had me go out on the ramp I got to talk to um you know, all of the ramp guys, but also the mechanics and then all of the pilots that came in as well. So I really got to do a little bit of everything.
0: That's really cool. It's good experience to get around the tower and kind of figure out what their whole spiel is and how they view a pilot and how they view your mistakes and how what they think is best, because it could be very different from what you think is best. So having that perspective and having that in the back of your mind can help out a lot.
1: Exactly. And for me, I used it also to see um, you know, if I don't want to be a pilot, do I want to be an air traffic controller? And then that actually helped me realize like, oof, no way I'm going to stick to being in the plane.
0: (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah.
1: I salute your service.
0: Yeah. Did you, so since there was no aviation route with this program through high school, is there now one created? Did you create some relationships that opens the doors for other pilots or was it kind of done after you went through?
1: You know, the last I heard was I had graduated yeah, I had graduated my senior year and then there was someone else who was interested in applying for the program and doing it. So he had reached out. And I told him exactly what I did. And I even said, you know, if I could do it again, maybe I would do it a little bit differently. And I was able to kind of give him that guidance and I don't know what he ended up doing, but, um, I know he did something in aviation as well.
0: That's cool. What, um, so what was your favorite part of working or interning at millionaire? Did you have like a specific role that you liked the best?
1: Um. I, I guess I could say just being actually the customer service representative because it really gives you a greater appreciation for FBOs. And now being in corporate aviation, that's that's really a big part because a lot of people just think that that's exactly what they are. They're just customer service representatives. They're just there to say hi and bye and, you know, call the ramp guys to come get your bags, but um, there's a lot more organizing and planning that goes into it. And especially when, you know, you're doing a quick turn and you got to get your fuel slips in. There's not just one person that that's involved. There's quite a few actually. So, um, getting that sense of appreciation is something I look back on and am very thankful for. And then also being that representative, I got to meet so many people and, you know, again, being 16 behind the desk and being bubbly and whatever people are like you you want to be a pilot and then being like yeah i'm gonna go to amber Riddle and i'm gonna prove you wrong and i don't think one of the guys that came in doubted me but i actually fly with one of the guys that used to come into the fbo all the time now so no it's, it's pretty
0: full circle yeah <laughs> he's like whoa you actually did it
1: <laughs> exactly i'm like i i told you i was gonna yeah. do it
0: you're like next i'm coming for your spot <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you do the the year internship at Millionaire, and now you are on your way to Embry Riddle. What was your experience like at Embry Riddle?
1: You know, I always say I don't work for admissions, so I can be as blunt and truthful as I can. Yes, but please. overall, it was a great experience. the The college itself, the classes, the professors—it was truly amazing. I remember feeling like I was on cloud nine before all the stress of college hit. But you know, you eat, sleep, breathe aviation, and it's really what you make of it. So that was great. I mean, the flight department, that's where, you know, I think some of the um, most aggravating times stemmed from, you know, they kind of have their quirks, they have this motto of students first. And again, I think the college follows that pretty well, but the flight department lacks a little bit, Um, you know, almost like what Kylie's experience was, I listened to Kylie's podcast, and I was like, Oh, no, like, you know, I kind of wish she did some of the things that I had to do because I had to be so aggressive and almost mean at times, you know, I'm like, listen, I'm the customer. Like you see how much I pay you people. Absolutely. Like you work for me.
0: Whatever happened to the customer is always right.
1: Exactly. And you know, I always said students first, like how come you're putting your business before me? That's not right. And, um, you know, again, I think overall it was a great experience, but there were some setbacks, but you got to be tough and you got to be aggressive, especially. Um, as a girl in the industry, you know, I don't think I was ever taken advantage of, but I think people try to be a little bit softer and I'm like, no, I can hold my own. Watch out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Don't even think about it. I got this. That's
1: <laughs> exactly, no, exactly.
0: I mean, you're definitely true. I'm sure when, if they, they thought they could get something by you, they would definitely try it. And I don't know if that's necessarily for a girl, just girl specific. I'm sure there's some guys out there that they get the vibe that they can sneak stuff by or there'll be, might Absolutely. be a pushover. But it is very important to, to put your foot down and step up because this is your career. And I mean, if they start toying with you and they start messing around, it's like, look, I don't have to pay you thousands and thousands of dollars to do my ratings. Like I could go anywhere. So you can either get me a plane and we can start flying or I will go somewhere else.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, that's a, I've never I never even really did any research in Embry-Riddle. I don't really know anything about Embry-Riddle and the fact that it's like the biggest Air, or not airline aviation college and i talked to one guy who's like yeah they actually have sports teams they actually have like they try to make it like a real college experience i just like assumed it was like an extended version of your aviation camp or it's just a bunch of people around airplanes and stuff like that but like the thought that it's like a full-blown college campus and stuff like that is cool
1: yeah um i mean it pretty much is an extended version of the camp but um yeah i mean they're doing a great job of getting uh you know, more school spirit involved and in their, their homecoming. I mean, this year I was actually so jealous. I was watching everyone's Snapchat stories and Instagram stories. They had a huge concert. So I'm really proud of where the direction of the school is going. And I would not have changed my experience for anything. I really did enjoy going there.
0: What was your flying experience like? Cause obviously you said you did you, you went there with no ratings, right? You went there kind of from like zero to get all your ratings.
1: Yeah, I think I had, you know, 20 ish hours in the series, so. Um, you know, doing that transition from a Cirrus to a Cessna was definitely interesting because Cirruses, I mean, they sort of float, but not as much as Cessna. So I remember one of my first lessons, my flight instructor was like, just let the airplane float. And I laughed. I'm like, airplanes don't float. What does
0: that mean? (laughs) Yeah. Why would I do that?
1: (laughs) I'm like, no, I pull the power. The thing just falls to the ground. So um, no, overall, I think I had some good instructors and then I had some great instructors and you know in between you know you maybe have one or two that you're like all right I'm gonna go see if there's another one available but um no overall again I I think most of them were fantastic.
0: Did they make you switch instructors every quarter or every semester?
1: It really depended on the schedule and I think because I came in at such a good time where people were constantly leaving for the regionals Um, that was really the reasons why if they switched you, it was because people were leaving and schedules were changing. And honestly, I didn't really mind it. I thought if I got too used to an instructor, I would get too comfortable so I always liked being on my toes and feeling like I needed to impress someone because it made me study a lot harder.
0: The only bad thing about that is if you truly do get an instructor, that's not nearly as good and say it comes at a time where you're doing the checkride prep and you're getting really close and then all of a sudden you get passed off to an instructor that maybe is just new and doesn't have the same experience that your last instructor has, that can kind of hurt you a little bit.
1: Yeah. And I know a lot of people who have that happen to them and I don't think that really happened to me. So I'm, I'm thankful for that.
0: Do you have any struggles in your training at all? Was there like certain subjects that you just couldn't get your mind around and couldn't understand?
1: Uh, holds. Holds? I hate holds. (laughs) (laughs) I did so bad. I mean, instrument, it definitely did not come natural to me. Um, that I had to study a lot more and really had to put in a lot more effort. I redid a ton of flights or well actually redid a ton of sims just because it, it didn't make sense to me. It really took me a while to get it. And then, Gosh, I'm just thankful for autopilot for holds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: seriously. What was it that didn't make sense about an instrument? If can you put like your your finger on the exact reason why?
1: Um I don't think I can find an exact reason why, but I always said it was so different because Going from your private and, you know, VFR, looking outside, feeling the airplane, you know, it's just a totally different technique. And then you start instrument flying and it's all inside and, you know, it's, it's supposed to be black and white. And what's the answer? Is it yes or no? Can you do this? Can you do that? And I think it's really a transition of how um, you're supposed to think in the airplane. And I don't think I was really expecting that.
0: Yeah, no, it's uh, it's kind of weird because obviously you said your eyes are inside, but you also have to understand what's going on around you. Like you got to put yourself, you got to pull yourself out of the airplane and get some situational awareness. Why you're staring at the instruments, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of understand why you're holding or why you're shooting this approach and where the traffic's going and kind of get your sequence and stuff like that. So it, it is a very, very tough uh, transition, especially from your private pilot license. So, I mean, it's definitely something that I want to say you're the only one that got held up on that Not specifically with holds, but everyone kind of gets uh, held up on the instrument rating. Yeah. Instrument for me was, uh, holds are interesting. Uh, we kind of had a disconnect with my instructor. It got to the point where he didn't know how to explain it any other way than what worked for him. So my big thing was just going on YouTube and just watching YouTube and figuring out how to do holds.
1: Yeah. And so my thing was, too, I finally realized, like, I'm spending way too much money redoing all of these sims and oral. So um, I would just walk around either the flight department or actually my dorm. I remember asking my RA and every other friends who had either passed their instrument already or they're working on it. And I'm like, all right, what do you guys do? And I was learning all of these different methods. And I was just trying everything, seeing, you know, when something would actually click
0: what do you know what made it click? And I don't know if I like who, who explained it the best or how you actually understood a hold.
1: Um, there was one time where I went with one of the senior instructors. We actually did one of the, it wasn't like the full simulators that every has. It was like one of almost like the Redbird trainers that we did. And we just sat down and I think we knocked out like 45 holds. Like we just, it, we just kept doing them. And I think after the repetition, I finally started to understand it.
0: Well, for me, it was my way my instructor explained it. He's like, all right, so if you can figure out how to do it on the ground, it's completely different than doing it in the air. And that was kind of like I could figure it out on the ground, but I couldn't put it together in the air. So it I means one of those things where just practice makes perfect. And like you said, you get this kind of forceful repetition <laughs> and you figure it out and figure out a way to do it cheap by going in the simulator and not wasting hours in the airplane. Exactly. What was, um, if you could recommend, so obviously you would recommend Embry-Riddle to a pilot that is up and coming. Would you give yes. them any tips or anything? Is there like a Kim Kish secrets to uh, making Embry-Riddle like the best experience for you and getting out of there as quick as possible with all your ratings?
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I, I always separate the college and the flight department because my, I feel like my college life, um, was pretty fantastic. You know, I got involved in a lot of different things. Um, I think if you are really focused on what you want to do outside of college, the best thing to do is like, is volunteer, like get involved with organizations that, you know, maybe have a tie to the college, um, but are also involved in outside, um, either events or, you know, organizations like something where, um, you can really help people. Sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought where you can really (laughs) like um, help people outside of school, so then that way you know you kind of have something for yourself. Um, that's what I did. So I got involved with Dream which was Shasta Waze's um, solo flight around the world, and it was at the time sort of tied with Ember Riddle. But we worked with Ember Riddle's students, um, and we were able to you know help her with this flight around the world, and that was something that really grounded me um, to say you know. I've been studying way too much. Let me focus on something else right now. So you can get caught in this this cycle of like, I need to study, I need to study, I need to study. Because it's not like a job where it's like, all right, I worked my nine to five, I can go home and do whatever I want with my personal life. I always felt like if I wasn't studying, I needed to study more. Yeah.
0: Well, it's one of those things where you never feel like you know enough. So like you have your checkride and there's always something that they can ask you that you don't know just because you didn't even think about studying it. It's like, there's always something else that you can, you can know when you're a pilot. And I think one of those things is understanding the fact that it's not possible for you to know everything. It's like, there's a reason why we have all these resources. There's a reason why these checkrides and our open book and you can be like, Hey, I don't know, but I know how to find it. You know? So it's, what's one of those things where you can't know everything. You just have to know where everything is. And I can definitely see what you mean with you feel like you have to study more and more and more. When I was in college, I was the opposite way. I was like, I don't want to study. Screw that. (laughs) It's like, I can fly. I know how to fly. And that held me back a lot. That held back my training because I didn't, I wasn't willing to put in the time to study. And for other people that clicks differently. But once I graduated college and went part 61, I realized like, all right, I actually have to study if I want to make this a career and be the best pilot I can possibly be.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So... I always say, like, don't get stuck in a cycle, but it's exactly what you make of it. You know, if you want nothing but eat, sleep, breathe aviation, you could absolutely do that. But if you want to have, um, you know, your aviation life, and then you have your personal life. It is totally doable, and I think Ember Riddle actually does a really good job of, um, having so many different student organizations, um, for you to join to to make your college experience your experience.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do you have any uh, kind of horror stories with check rides, or are all your check rides pretty good?
1: Four stories with check rides. I mean, okay, so actually on my multi-check ride, um, everyone said that, you know, you're probably going to get some sort of like lost comms or electrical failure, and then you're going to have to figure out, um, you know, your diversion. And that's exactly what happened. You know, he shut off all all of the avionics and was like, all right, you you just had an electrical failure, you know, where are you going to divert? So I did the whole diversion that went fine. And he's like, all right, now give me a power on stall. But all the avionics were still dark. So I looked at him and I'm like, are we still simulating an electrical failure? And he's like, oh, no, 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 everything still works. He's like, I just want you to do a power-on saw, but, you know, keep everything dark. So now I have to do it with the standby instruments. And it's something that I did maybe in private. <laughs> so now three years later, I'm like, oh, shoot. So I did it and I actually did it fine. But I was so nervous. I, I just, oh, man, I had many mini Mini
0: panic attack at that moment. I don't want to. I'm good.
1: (laughs) I was like, you sure? I can't just like turn it on again. (laughs) Well, it's
0: funny when you have, when you're, so they ask you to do something that you're not used to doing and your first thought's like, no, I can only do it my way, the way I know how to do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You're like, are you sure?
0: Yeah. I remember (laughs) when I was doing my, in my initial private training, in my private training, I never really did a turning stall. And then when I was checked out to go to my next flight, my next flight school in North Carolina, they're like, all right, I want you to do a tall and a stern or a turn. Like a stall in a turn, and I was like, "No, can't do that." It's like I just stall straight ahead. <laughs> He's like, "No, you can definitely do it." <laughs> so it was like one of the. It was a really dumb mental block that I had, but yeah, it was. It's really funny when you get outside of the norm and outside of your your normal trading training regimen, and you start. They ask you to do something that's out of the ordinary. You can kind of fight yourself a little bit.
1: Exactly, and your nerves are already so high. So when they say something you're not expecting to hear, it's just I go into panic mode, but not in a bad way. More in like a. Again, under under pressure in my competitive way, I'm like, okay, you know, Cam, you got this. Like, how how are you going to do it better than he even expected?
0: What um what was next for you? So you get all your ratings at Embry Riddle. Did you come to CFI? What are you doing to build your time? And how did you kind of get to where you are today?
1: Yeah, so I actually call myself the black sheep of Embry Riddle because okay. is that um, a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> um, in my opinion, I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, but a natural progression at Ember Riddle is you get your private, you get your instrument, you do your single commercial, you do your CFI and then people usually sign. I think they have like a CFI contract where they'll pay for your MEI. If you instruct for, you know, X amount of years or time. So, um, I decided I wanted to do, um, my private instrument, multi-commercial, and then single engine add on. And that's exactly what I did. And then when I was working on my single engine add-on, it was right around the time of graduation. And then I started saying, okay, shoot, I really don't want to do my CFI. And I really don't want to go to the regionals. How the heck am I going to build hours? And um, that's when I just started applying for random jobs. I applied for maybe like, I'd say somewhere between 10 and 15 desk jobs. It was um, like dispatch jobs or like some sort of customer relation jobs that were all corporate. Because at this time, I also realized I didn't want to go to the airlines, which is also something that's a 180 from what Ember Riddle preaches. Um, they really spoon feed you to go to the airlines, which is fabulous if you want to do that. But for someone like me, when I realized I didn't want to go to the airlines, um, it was tough. You know, I didn't really know what to do. And that's when I was thankful for women in corporate aviation. Um, my shameless plug there. <laughs> um But yeah, like I said, I just started applying to jobs and I went on a couple of interviews and actually with the company I'm at right now, I was on my phone interview and he's like, you know, listen, I'm so confused. You have 300 hours. You have all your ratings. Why don't you want to fly anymore? I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, I want to fly. I'm just willing to take a desk job to build up a relationship to then later start flying. And. That's when, um, you know, we kind of made up this position for me. He was like, well, we need someone in the office that kind of has these random skills to really help um, help us with these random projects that we need done. Um, he's like, if you're willing to work in the office for us, we have um, TBMs and we fly them with two crews and we have an in-house training program and we have in-house check airmen. So you can do your 293 check ride and we'll get you set up. I seen the TBM. And I was like, done. Where do I sign?
0: Yeah. <laughs> how do I, how do I make this happen? I can come today.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what rabbit's foot did I just rub? So yeah. And I've been doing that for almost two years now, probably a year and a half.
0: How, how many places did you apply to before you finally found this, this company that was willing to work with you?
1: Um, I would say probably about 10. Um, you know, some of them were big, they were like Textron and, um, you know, just, it was like in their corporate flight departments. And then some of them just little mom and pop shops too. Just like 135 operators or even just management companies.
0: Was there a lot of uh, thanks but no thanks or we either want you to be in the office or you fly, you don't do both?
1: Yeah, there was a lot of, ah, 300 hours. That's cute. Apply when you have 1,300 <laughs> so I got a lot of those I would say probably that half of them were like, "Aw, You're so cute. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, you're so close, but not close at all
1: <laughs> Exactly.
0: How did you take that because obviously you have 300 hours you hear you need 1300 hours You're like how the heck am I gonna get a thousand hours? Did that affect your mentality at all?
1: Again, I think it's because i'm just so competitive by nature. I was like you know, as soon as I got one of the emails that was like, thanks for applying, you don't meet anywhere near our minimums, like applying in five years, I was like, cool, on to the next, like, it, I really tried. Yeah, I really tried not to have it phase me. I was just like, all right, done. Next one. Where are we going next? Like, it kind of just fueled me more. I was like, all right, now this puts more pressure on myself um, to get where I want to be. You know, how do I get here faster and, and get there stronger?
0: Were you applying to places that were just local to you or were you willing to move anywhere in the country?
1: Oh, I was flying everywhere. I think I applied to Arizona, California, Texas, New York. And then this one conveniently was just, um, at my home airport where I grew no up. Way.
0: That's so yeah. funny how that works out.
1: Exactly. And that's what I was saying too, with millionaire It was like full circle. Cause I would, you know, we had a couple of airplanes managed at millionaire I'd walk back in and, and know pretty much everyone. It was completely crazy to me.
0: Yeah. So when people tell you to go hang out at airports, it kind of makes sense because it actually worked out for you. Right. So you'd probably recommend that.
1: Oh, absolutely. I have two girls, um, that I, I mentor through women in corporate aviation. And, um, one girl's a high school student. She's working on her private. The next one, she's a 27 year old flight attendant. And I tell them both. I'm like, if you have any free time at all, go to an FBO and just sit there, you know, don't sit there and look weird, you know, maybe have a book or a magazine, <laughs> don't <be> but
0: creepy.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, I, That's I sit funny. there sometimes too, and guys just walk by and you know, they got some time to kill. Um, and why not talk to other people? So I'm like, you know, if someone looks like they're bored, just say, Hey, you know, did you fly in here today? You know, um, is that your airplane? Just, just start the conversation. Cause you never know where it will lead to.
0: Do you find it where so you're a woman in aviation and you go try to have this conversation with another guy would you say that a lot of times they doubt how much you know or you go to like you say you're very competitive do you find yourself having to like prove yourself to them all the time
1: so i've noticed with other pilots it's usually not that big of a deal um i've gotten a few comments throughout my career here and there um but i've actually noticed more with the clients like now that, yeah, now that I'm in corporate, you know, I've had a couple of clients not shake my hand. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, 2019, come on. <laughs> um, but you know, I would say that's, that's the 15 to 20%. Everyone else I've dealt with is usually like, you go girl. Or, you know, they say these cheesy things, like they're so proud of you, but I look at it as I'm like, that's so cute. Like, I'm so happy that they're happy for me, you know?
0: No, for sure. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It does happen. But I mean, like you said, it's 2019. It's time to to accept that. So the girl pilots are are awesome. man. I'm sure a lot of them. I'm sure you're better than a lot of other guy pilots out there. <laughs> so they shouldn't be uh, afraid to shake your hand. They should be welcoming you.
1: Exactly. And I've also noticed, like, um, if I go to these conferences, especially like NBAA, um, first and foremost, I love the conference because it's just everything that that embodies business aviation but you kind of have to be strategic about it you know if you're at the static display and you're sitting in an airplane um I just start spitting out facts or just start asking questions that someone who's not a pilot wouldn't really know to ask and I've noticed through like if that's how I start the conversation their tone is definitely a lot more different if I'm like oh my god this airplane's so cute (laughs) which is really what I'm thinking
0: that's so funny. No, that's uh, yeah, definitely true. I've, I imagine if you if you start up with like, oh my gosh, that is that this engine is that that horsepower, they'll be like, oh cool, this girl knows what she's talking about, you know
1: yes exactly
0: what um so you mentioned that you didn't want to go to the airlines and obviously Embry-Riddle I'm not saying it's like an airline factory or like a mill but like obviously like we said that's their goal they want you to go to the airlines and make a ton of money and keep producing more pilots and tell people how great Embry-Riddle is to keep that flow going what was the reaction that they had when you told them you didn't want to go to the airlines we're like "Uh, I mean that's cool and all but you know the airlines is where you should go
1: Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of flight instructors, um, kind of step back and they were like, wait, what, (laughs) why, you know, like, do you not see how much they're making? And I'm like, do you not see how much, you know, you could make in corporate aviation as well. Um, and I think I, I would like, or I would like to think that I educated a lot of people on, um, the business aviation facet to the industry. Um, just because as I talked more about it, people were like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Or, oh, I didn't know that's how you did that. Um, So I'm like, you just got to go out there. And I'm like, you know, airline jobs, you know, you have your application. I I forgot even the website you have it on. But, you know, you just kind of plug and chug your numbers and your information. And, you know, you kind of cross your fingers and hope you get called for an interview. But for corporate, you know, people usually call you and they're like, hey, we have this position opener. Hey, I knew this guy with a jet. Um, and it's all that word of mouth. That's how you make your connections and that's how you get your job. So, um, I tell people, you know, if, if you're so close minded to airlines, you're never going to get one of those calls. But even if you're focused on the airlines, but keep your options open, you know, you could be flying a fancy business jet and skip the regionals and go straight to the majors.
0: Yeah, it's definitely an opportunity. It's definitely a possibility. What was it about corporate aviation that kind of grabbed your heart?
1: I realized I think um you know stemming from millionaire and stemming from all the other small part-time jobs I had growing up um it really was the customer service aspect of it. Um realizing that you know airline pilots kind of at the beginning or really just the end of the flight if they choose stand at the end of the doorway and say goodbye. Goodbye. Have a nice day. <laughs> goodbye. Nice landing captain. Oh thank you. You know it's that's not customer service. People think that's customer service, but you know When I have to run to the grocery store half an hour before a flight to get not salted, not unsalted, but lightly salted cashews for a passenger, you know, that's the customer service that people are looking and expecting for. So, um, you know, it's a lot more work, but I think that's, that's part of the fun. Um, you know, I always know who I'm flying. I always know, or not always, but I usually know why I'm flying them. And I think it gives the flight so much more purpose.
0: Is there a alternate world or a, like an end goal of you going to the airlines? Like, is your goal to eventually fly for a major airline or do you want to stay in corporate aviation?
1: Ah, this is always the toughest question for me because um, I did have an internship with Southwest Airlines and I always say it was the best thing I ever did and the worst thing I ever did. It was the best thing I ever did because I fell in love with Southwest. They, it's like summer camp. It's, it's better than Disney World.
0: You drank the juice.
1: Is, oh man, I, I chugged the Kool-Aid, man. <laughs> it was awesome. And I think actually when I came back to Ember after that, they were like, oh God, you're obsessed. But it was fantastic. I learned so much. I had such a phenomenal experience. My managers were just outstanding. And that's why it was the best thing I ever did. But it was the worst because I realized, oh shoot, I don't want to pick a base and I don't want to sit reserve and I, I don't want to wait for my seniority number to go up. You know, I, I, wasn't ready for that lifestyle. I'm too spontaneous. And I think I just have way too much energy to want to do that. I wanted to do more. And so that's really how, um, I fell in love with the corporate side, but you know, if Southwest can, they said, Hey, we want to give you a job. I definitely would think long and hard about yeah, it. Yeah,
0: Entertain it. Maybe go there, see if you like it. And then you can always go back to corporate.
1: Exactly, and you know, thankful the industry is so well right now that we actually have the the ability to do that. And I think a lot of people who, um, you know, their careers flowed through nine eleven and then flowed through uh, the two thousand and eight crash. Um, they they really had it tough, and they had to pick one job and stick with it, and you know, hope that it went the way they wanted to. So. Us now having the ability to say, oh, if I want to go from flying a Gulfstream to Southwest Airlines, oh wait, I want to go back to the Gulfstream. You absolutely have that option. So why not take advantage of it?
0: Or if you're typed in a Gulfstream, maybe you have some time off of Southwest, you can go fly the Gulfstream for a day or two and then come back and exactly. go on the line. So, I mean, I don't know if that... I don't, for me, when I'm off, I don't want to go fly an airplane. I kind of want to be done. I don't know if I'm weird in that fact, because I have some friends on Instagram where it's like, all they do is fly in an airplane. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just need to like live a normal life for some time.
1: Oh my gosh. No, that's where you and I are so similar. Like when I go home, I don't really want to talk about airplanes. I just, I just want to be Kim.
0: Which is really hard when you have a podcast talking about airplanes, (laughs) (laughs) but here we are. Talk a little bit about uh, women in corporate aviation. You kind of mentioned that twice now, and obviously you said it played a big role in your life and kind of what you're doing right now, and you are a mentor for them. Is it different than women in aviation, or is it just kind of a subset of that organization?
1: Yeah, it's pretty much a subset of women in organization. And the way I got involved really was just, again, almost by accident. It was kind of like right place at the right time. So um, I was involved in the Daytona Beach chapter of Women in women in aviation when I was at, uh, Embry-Riddle in my freshman year, everyone talked up conference. You need to go to this conference. This conference is amazing. It's, it's, it's everything that you need to do. And so, um, that was one of my goals. I was like, I want to save up money. I want to go to this. And, you know, I want to make a good first impression at my first conference. And that's what I did. I went and I went with older girls who really showed me, you know, how to talk to people, you know, where to sit, what booths to talk to. Um, And I mean, the conference itself is really um, an exciting time because it's so um, camaraderie based. It's really about making those connections, talking to people and getting to know people for the people that we are, not just the number or the name. So um, I went again the next year and I I just walked up to this booth and it said women in corporate aviation. I was like, hi, what are you guys? You know, they gave me their elevator speech and I was like, cool, I'm sold. How do I sign up? I gave them my credit card. I paid the $30 student fee. And another year went by and I, I kind of sat and reflected. And I was like, wait, I'm a member of Women in Corporation, but I didn't really do anything this year. I'm like, what? Like, how do I get more involved? So I walked up to the booth again and I said, hey, I'm a member. I didn't really do anything. You know, what else can I do? And I remember speaking to one girl, Rachel, and she was like, well, what do you want to do? She's like, we have so many open possibilities. We're actually looking for someone to do social media. I'm like, I know how to use Instagram. How do I do this? (laughs) And so that's how I got really involved. I started volunteering and I became their social media coordinator. Um, you know, took over the Facebook page, made the Instagram, um, started adding to the LinkedIn page and, you know, just starting to get to know the women and to know, um, you know, what they do in their lives and starting to hear about their jobs and how, you know, someone flies for Coca-Cola on this G650 and, you know, someone flies for FedEx and, you know, another lady is a, a dispatcher for universal weather and, you know, someone else is in client relations. I just started learning more about the different jobs in corporate aviation and it really just built up this passion. And so I would say all throughout college, that's really what added to, um, my idea of going corporate instead of airlines, it all kind of happened at once. And it, it really hit me like a brick wall. I was like, wow, this is, this is really where I feel like I need to be.
0: That's so cool. What, um, so obviously pilot shortage is here, depending on how you look at it. Some people don't say it's here, but obviously there is some sort of pilot shortage.
1: It's absolutely here.
0: (laughs) How do we go about getting more women in aviation? Do you have a secret? Do you have kind of a theory of what you think we can do? Cause we need guys, we need girls. We just need more people in aviation. So what do you, I guess two questions is how do we do it? And what do you think is the best approach to do it?
1: I love this question. Um, And I think this kind of ties back a couple of things that I've touched on already. Um, I think as an individual, getting involved is the best way um, to really start spreading the word. So getting involved with organizations that do a lot to give back to the communities and give back to um, students and for their education. Because I believe that STEM or STEAM, whichever way you want to look at it, I believe that schools really need to make that a priority. Um, so dream store, for example, you know, Shasta did this flight around the world where she stopped in God knows how many different countries and reached thousands and thousands of children and was able to speak to them. And she was able to say, Hey, look, I was a refugee from Afghanistan and I just flew this airplane around the world. So if I can do it, what's stopping you from doing it? And you know, putting that motivation and that inspiration into their heads is really the best advocacy for, um, people in aviation. And I always say, I feel like I lucked out having my dad, you know, it was right smack in front of my face. All I had to do was say, sure, dad, take me up on an airplane. And that's how it all started. And I, I'm so lucky people don't have that opportunity. So if you're banking on your parents to buy you a discovery flight or, um, you know, to take you to the airport, the bare minimum, um, you know, we can't always just rely on that. So girls in aviation date, for example, with women in aviation, you know, they, they award discovery flights and they walk you around the airport and do all of these different aviation activities. That is the best way to really get people involved. And I think, um, also spreading the word that you don't just have to be a pilot. You could be an engineer, you could be interior designer. Um, a sales engineer, you know, there's, there's all these different jobs. And so just being an advocate and saying, I'm the voice to let you know that this is possible. So um, yeah, just just getting involved with those organizations, that's really the best way.
0: Do you think it's important to start young to kind of plant that seed when um, they're in elementary school, middle school, kinda of just to show them that this is possible? And also, like you said, kind of go to go to those schools and show or just important for younger women or even younger pilots just to see people like them flying. So like you said if it's a refugee in Afghanistan, it's like, cool, girls in Afghanistan can see that or just anyone can see that, and be like, all right, if she can do it, I can do it, you know? I think that's very important.
1: Exactly. And you know, I think if if we Introduce that early, maybe, you know, elementary, middle school education. That definitely helps. But um, the one thing that I really like that Women in Corporate Aviation does is we we love to incorporate ages um, or people of any age. So if you um, almost like your, your instance, you know, you were you were later um, you joined aviation later in life and some people join even later um, you know, it's the second or maybe third career of theirs. And we just want people to know it's absolutely possible. You know, there's scholarships that are awarded. Um, and there's opportunities and grants and internships, you know, there's all of these, um, different ways to get into aviation. And then there's other ways to get hooked and to stay in aviation. So they're, they're out there. You just got to look for them.
0: If someone wants to get plugged in with women in corporate aviation, what's the website or where should they go?
1: Yeah. So it's, um, WCA dash dot org. so or you can just google uh women in corporate aviation international it should be the first one that comes up but um we're also on social media so i'm the one that runs that so if you send us a dm i can definitely guide you to the right place as well
0: that's awesome yeah it's a great organization and it's one that i didn't know about until we had this conversation so i think a lot of people might be in the same boat or maybe they do know about it and they just needed the extra push to kind of get involved and to reach out so hopefully get some dms and hopefully you get some more eyes over there. Cause I think it's great what you guys are doing. Cause corporate's a, it's a fantastic job. It's a, it's a great way to go around aviation. And it's a, it's like you said, there's so many jobs in corporate aviation. There's so many opportunities out there and there is good money out there. You can find the, a great job where you have, make good money and you have good time off. So if it works for you, I highly recommend looking into corporate aviation. It's, I'm in corporate aviation and I love it. So yeah, it's, it's a great career opportunity
1: exactly and you know don't let the name uh scare you at all too we do have men in the organization so if you're if you're a man you're more than welcome to join as well but we'll take you the ju- we bucks just or whatever. <laughs> exactly yeah we just we just ask that you just support women in aviation so we give out these cool these cool wristbands too um uh we give out these cool wristbands too that say i support women in aviation that's so.
0: cool sweet well, those are pretty much, oh, I forgot, I'll do a rapid fire section with you real quick. So I have a bunch of just random questions and I'll just ask the first one that comes to my mind and you just say the first thing that you think of.
1: All right. I'm getting competitive now.
0: All right. <laughs> yeah. So you got to do it quick then because there are some people take too long. Okay. All right. What is your favorite airplane you've ever flown?
1: Oh, a TBM. Hands down. Sorry, Kylie. Flat <laughs> it. Oh. TBM is way better than Pilatus. I
0: uh, disagree. What <laughs> is uh, your dream airplane to fly? Uh, let's say, what's your dream airliner to fly?
1: Oh, airliner? I, I, ugh, any of them. I don't know. I don't have a dream airliner.
0: There you go. What's uh, your dream business jet?
1: Gulfstream G650.
0: Not the 700 that just came out. You don't want to it's, buy the biggest and best?
1: I do. It's just a little big. You know, I feel like the G650 is. Uh, It's just beautiful. Yeah.
0: (laughs) What is the ugliest airplane you've ever seen?
1: Piaggio. Gosh, it looks like a catfish.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I get so much hate for hating on that plane, but it's so ugly. (laughs) It's
1: so. I always say, I'm like, oh, there's the catfish. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, it's a great like the plane has great performance and it's has a good niche in the market, but like it's still ugly.
1: don't get me wrong i'd fly one yeah. but i'd call it ugly every time
0: yeah every time i might be embarrassed pulling up in it but hey it is what it is what <laughs> is your favorite airport you've ever landed at
1: Ooh, um probably billy bishop in toronto
0: what's your least favorite airport
1: teterborough
0: oh come on teterborough's the best
1: oh my gosh <laughs> all right i think this is enough for today <laughs>
0: <laughs> we live at teterborough um let's see uh you are connecting for an airline, say they're like flying you out to another TBM. I don't know if this is a thing you guys do, but you're flying an airline, you have a connecting flight, you got like an hour, you got to get some food. What's your go-to food in an airport?
1: Uh, I hate this question. You know, I always try to stick to light food. So maybe like a bowl of fruit or like a granola or something. Um, Cause I don't want to eat Chipotle and then get on an airliner. That's just <laughs> miserable for everyone around you. Yeah,
0: that's funny. That works. I like that one um what is your favorite airline livery
1: oh southwest
0: what's your least airline or what's your least favorite airline livery
1: um probably delta it's just boring (laughs) what and then also now sorry to interrupt but those purple uniforms oh gosh (laughs) those are just terrible
0: (laughs) that's so funny Uh, no comment (laughs) (laughs) what is your favorite airline to fly on
1: um it's a toss up between Southwest and United. I feel like United is, is, um, they also have a fun spirit, but you know, Southwest is just like a party every time.
0: Yeah. I have some, some people at Southwest that listen to this and they'll be very happy to hear you hear that. To hear Oh you say man, that. I
1: told you, I chugged the Kool-Aid. Yeah, you did. I may be corporate, but I love Southwest.
0: <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. They'll get a kick out of that. What is, uh, would you rather fly over mountains, beach, or the flyover States?
1: Mountains. Okay. It's so Cool.
0: What is your favorite type of approach? Would you rather shoot a visual? Or would you rather shoot an IFR, kind of ILS, GPS? What would, you, what would you like ideal situation to go fly?
1: You know, ideally, I think a visual is always, you know, the goal. But, oh man, a good ILS and you break out right before minimums. That's, that's something that gets your palms sweaty. So I'm all for it.
0: Especially when you're so competitive with yourself. I'm guessing that you like to do it perfect every single time. Well, everyone should, <laughs> but specifically. <laughs> I, yeah. try to, yeah. I try to. I try to try to impress the people in the back. Be like, see, now you're going <laughs> to shake my hand.
1: <laughs> yes. There was one guy. He was like, he goes, Oh God, I don't know how you did that. He's like, I didn't know where the runway was.
0: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It's like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, let's see what else do I got. What else do I got? I need to write these down. Cause I just say them off the top of my head. Um, I think that's about it. If I come up with them before we get off, then I'll ask you, but I think that's about all I have for you right now. Oh, here's one. What is one thing you have to have on you every single time you go fly?
1: Ooh, um, sunglasses and chapstick.
0: Yeah, oh, those are good. Those are crucial. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Those are all the questions I have for you. Uh, Kim, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's great to talk to another, um, uh, corporate aviator corporate aviation is awesome and it's a great route to go on and don't be ashamed if you want to be a corporate pilot don't have someone bully you into the airlines not saying there's anything wrong with airlines but check out corporate you might like it and it's okay to like it uh thanks again for coming on and talking about women and corporate aviation i think it's a great organization and i love what you guys are doing over there so keep it up keep at it and yeah i'm just thankful for you coming on i appreciate it
1: doesn't i had so much fun today thank you so much
0: no problem it was great And that is a wrap on episode number 83 of the Pilot to Pilot podcast. Like I said before, share this podcast with all your friends. Share the website with everyone. Get Pilot to Pilot out there. By the end of the year, we need everyone in aviation listening to the podcast. So help me out. Share it with your friends. Leave a review. Check out the website. And as always, Aviation Nation, happy flying.